This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Today's program is part of the Heavenly Authority series taught by Pastor Greg Scalzo back in 2001. The current focus is on the events leading to Saul being chosen as king over Israel. Last time, Pastor was reading from 1 Samuel chapter 9, when Saul is told by his servant that there is a seer in the nearby city. And Pastor Greg was discussing the seer from the New Testament perspective when we left off. How those in the Old Testament would have longed for the things that Peter and James and John heard. How they would have longed for the things we're able to hear and able to read every morning when we have our coffee or tea at breakfast and read from the New Testament. And the Holy Spirit gives us understanding. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, we're blind. We don't understand the things of this world. We don't understand the things of the kingdom. We don't know why things happen. And if we persist in that blindness, we'll even lose the very common sense God gave us just in the natural. But in Christ Jesus, we see our eyes are open. I once was blind, but now I see. We become seers. We see the vision of God. We begin to see the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the whole story, Genesis to Revelation, we begin to see. And not only can we have spiritual revelation, that's the most important, but there are even gifts of the Spirit that allow us to be able to have help and see in situations what we need to do and not do. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, we've read this many times. In Peter's sermon, he quotes from the prophet Joel, and he says, but this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Maybe you can say, well, that doesn't apply to me. You don't think we're coming into the last days? Last night, there was a 7.9 earthquake down in South America. How many earthquakes have you heard of this past year? And how many diverse places have they occurred? In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. A gift of the Spirit that we can hear the utterance of God. We can know God's will. He can give us direction. He can even tell us a little bit about the future. Your young men shall see visions. We can be seers. You might be praying. You might be speaking to someone. And God will just automatically put something in front of your mind's eye. Just like a prophecy, a prophecy most of the time is the still small voice of God. Sometimes it could be almost audible, but that's rare. Most of the time, the Word of God just comes to you, comes through your spirit to your mind. Sometimes a vision, it's so clear, it's almost like you can't see anything else. Like the visions of the Bible that Daniel and Ezekiel received. And sometimes in your mind's eye, you just see something, it's fast. It's quick, but God gives you a way to see and have direction for a certain area in your life, what you need to do, or it could be a prophecy about the future. 
And as with prophecies, God is the interpreter. And it requires us to have a pure and humble heart to interpret the prophecy and the vision correctly. Because remember, Miriam and Aaron, you know, when I speak to the prophets, I speak to them in riddles, but Moses is the man I speak to face to face. He sees the form of God, right? To understand it, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. To understand that we have to make our hearts pure, we have to humble ourselves, and then God gives us these gifts. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And not every dream comes from God. Most dreams come from our minds. Some dreams come from demons and the enemies to scare us. But some dreams, usually they're very symbolic, they're short, or if they're not short, they're sequenced, and they're loaded, they're chock full of symbolism, will come from God. Your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Gifts of prophecy. The gift of being a seer, having visions. I know visions are not listed in the list in 1 Corinthians, you know, but Paul never said this is the limit of it because Peter's on the rooftop. What did he get? He got a vision, right? Visions are throughout the Old Testament, Daniel, Ezekiel. Visions are in the New Testament in the book of Acts. In Daniel chapter 8, in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. Down in verse 17, he says, So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. So he received a vision of things that would come. The seer has a special consciousness from God, of God. And you think of the book of Revelation and all the visions that are in there, tremendous symbolism, some of which speak to today. But it's important as believers, even as that rain is pouring down, to let the rain pour down upon us and upon our lives and to come down and shower us, the shower of the Holy Spirit, to open our eyes and open our ears to hear. So in the day of Samuel, before the time of Samuel, they were called seers. But now the writer tells us they're called prophets. Verse 10, Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, well said, come let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was, and they're going to Ramah. As they went up the hill to the city, they met some young women going out to draw water, and said to them, is the seer here? That's why he gave us a background of why they would use the word seer. And they answered them and said, yes, there he is, just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he came to the city, because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. This is the altar that we read about in 1 Samuel 7, 17. It's on the high place. Rhema means high place. And as soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now therefore go up, for about this time you will find him. 
So they went up to the city, and as they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. So they're going to have the sacrifice on the high place, and Samuel, the people wait for him. He must bless the sacrifice, and again, he's acting in the office of the priest. Shiloh is destroyed. Shiloh is gone. The ark is put away. And you have this high place. The high place is an elevated place of worship and sacrifice. It's a mountain or a hill. When you read the word high place, it could be an artificial platform. And the pagans used elevated or hilltop sites that were dedicated to their worship. The high place many times is associated with pagan practice. They would worship, they would build their shrines to their pagan gods on the hilltops. Sometimes they would sacrifice their children on the hilltop, on the high place. The need for the high place was so important that over in Mesopotamia, where you had plains, they would have to construct ziggurats or towers, step towers, in order to have an artificial high place, because they didn't have the hills as high places. You think of the Tower of Babel. And there was a lot of symbolism with the pagans, because they were, in a sense, trying to reach the forces, reach the gods by going up the high places. There was a nature worship aspect. A lot of these pagan Canaanite deities had an aspect of nature worship. And you know, if you go up a mountain and you look over the fields, there's a psychological effect that it has of feeling nature. And if they were into nature worship, rather than worshiping God, a high place was a suitable place to go up and make their pagan sacrifices. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 12, uh, the Lord makes mention of these hills, these mountains. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1, these are the statutes and the judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. And you shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things, but you shall seek the place, the place, where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there shall you go. There had to be that central place. And we saw it as Shiloh initially, to whom it belongs, the right of the firstborn to Joseph, the right of the firstborn from Joseph to Ephraim. But now Shiloh's gone. And there will be the place, the place that will never change as long as the heaven and the earth exists, that will follow Jerusalem. Jerusalem, belonging then the tribe of Judah, will become part of the tribe of Judah eventually. And that will be the one place with the temple. Don't do like those pagans on every hill, on every mountain. It says in verse 13, 
Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see. But in the place which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes, there shall you offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. All that I command you, you shall do. But this is after the fall of Shiloh. What do you do now? Shiloh has fallen. It's before the temple. What do you do? In 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 1, jumping ahead, says, Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. So he's going to build the temple. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. So everyone is worshiping at their high places because they don't have the central place of worship. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except he was just like David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. And it's implied here there's something wrong in that. But then it says in verse 4, Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was the great high place, the great high place in Gibeon. So you have Gibeon, which is six miles northwest of Jerusalem, called at this point the great high place. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub, Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. Please join us for the next broadcast of Shia Jeshub.